Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. If I haven't met you, uh, my name is Tim Barton. I'm the pastor of Family Ministries here at the Vine. Um, And I want to start today, as I'm prone to do, with a question. And that question is, have you ever been glad... I'll start over. Have you ever been glad that someone got what they deserved? Think about action movies for a minute. Um, in, in, in action movies, a lot of time at the end of it, the, the hero wins, right? That means the bad guy doesn't, right? Um, my favorite movie, favorite movie of all time is none other than The Princess Bride, Some of you know that movie. I'll give you a brief synopsis, okay? Most people would say that uh, the story is about Wesley and Buttercup. Wesley and Buttercup get separated. They are each other's true love. Um, And the whole story is about Wesley going to find Buttercup. Eventually, Wesley defeats Prince Humperdinck and Wesley and Buttercup right off into the sunset. But I'm going to tell you that that's not the main part of the story. You know what the main part of the story is? You know what my favorite part of the story is? It's in the character of Anigo Montoya. <laughs> As an eight-year-old boy, I think I was around eight, watching this for the first time, I remember getting so caught up with Anigo Montoya in his pursuit of the man, Count Rugen, who had killed his father. Count Rugen was the six-fingered man. Um, He was in pursuit of that man. He wanted justice, and he wanted to make things right. And so he goes through this whole movie, eventually becomes friends with Wesley, helps Wesley pursue Buttercup. But as he's doing this, he gets to the end, and just when you think the whole pursuit was for nothing because Inigo Montoya, you think, has been defeated, he gets the best of Count Rugen, and he wins. And when I tell that story, what, what, what I remember as a kid was, yes, the good guy won, the bad guy lost, the bad guy got what he deserved. Now back to real life. There's a part of us, there's a part of us that longs for things to be right, that longs to see the universe put in order, so to speak, that does not want to see those we deem as bad people get away with being bad. In fact, uh, we want to see them get what they deserve. And our world teaches us that that we as individuals, by the way, that first part that I just said, that, that we don't want to see bad, we don't want to see wrong, we want to see things redeemed, that's because we were created in the image of God, right? But then we distort it after that. Because our world tells us that we as individuals or we as society get to decide what we think is bad and who we think deserves the bad consequences. And then we get to decide who we think is good and who deserves the good consequences. But if that is our mindset, when that is how we live, it makes it extremely difficult for we as followers of Jesus to do what God told us to do, and that is have compassion on others. You see, having compassion for those who we don't think deserve it is not easy. 
fact, I would even say it, it's hard. As we come to God's Word this morning, in our final sermon of this series, uh, the series Just People Like You and Me, and um, I just remind you that in this series, we've, we've been looking at people, and uh, we were just talking to someone earlier that said, it seems like uh, we, we, all we see are the way people messed up. But that, that's, the point of, that's the point of this series, because it reminds us that it's not about what they did. It's about what God is doing and how God takes that, how God redeems that, how God continues to work through that, despite the sin of his people. So as we continue in this story, we're going to, or this, this series, we're going to look at a story that we all know pretty well. And in fact, I would, I would argue that if you have been to Sunday school, even as a kid, if you were went to Sunday school maybe just 10 times, there is a good chance you probably heard this story because it is the story of Jonah. All right, we're going to read in uh, Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, and we're going to see that Jonah had a very hard time being compassionate to the people he did not feel deserved compassion. But as we get ready to read it, let me catch you up in the story. There's three chapters before this. Most of you know it, but let me just remind you. God calls Jonah to be a prophet, to go to Nineveh, to tell the Ninevites you need to repent and turn from your evil ways or you will face judgment. So Jonah, you remember what he does? He goes to Tarshish. Now that might not mean much to you, but here's what it is. Tarshish is going in the complete opposite direction of Nineveh. He goes and gets on a ship and goes the other way. And he tells the sailors, we find out in chapter one, that he is fleeing from the presence of God. We're gonna see that doesn't work well. You see, so as he flees from the presence of God, he, he didn't want to that great, go to that great and evil city, the city that has at least 120,000 people in it. And we know from the last verse of the book, he doesn't want to go there. He flees from God, but the Lord, chapter 1, verse 4, it says, hurled a great and mighty storm on the sea, and the ship that he was on was in danger of breaking up and sinking. Jonah tells him, it's my fault. They wake him up. He's like, it's my fault because I'm fleeing from the presence of the Lord. And amazingly, the sailors try to do the noble thing. They actually tried, it says, to row to dry ground. But they were unable to overcome the storm. And so eventually they concede and do what Jonah told them to do, and they throw him overboard. He hits the water, the storm calms. And then he's swallowed by that great fish. Now, I'm going to pause on that for just a second. Because so many times when you talk about the story of Jonah, what is the biggest argument or question in the story of Jonah? Well, was it really a well? What kind of fish was it? Let me say this. We don't know. And it doesn't matter. Here's what you need to know. It is the fish that was appointed by God to swallow Jonah. Jonah swallowed, he's in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, and he finally turns and goes, okay, Lord, salvation belongs to you, and I'm going to do what you told me to do. And so it says, the Lord spoke to the fish, the fish vomited Jonah out on dry ground. Now Jonah goes, stinking Jonah, y'all, he's been in the belly of a fish for three days, right? So now he goes, probably pretty humbled at the moment, and he goes and he tells the message. It's not some great crafted message Repent, or you're going to face judgment. That's ultimately what he goes to do uh, to the city of Nineveh. 
as he does so, the people don't get angry. The people of Nineveh don't chase him out of the city. The people of Nineveh don't say, that's false, that's wrong. No, it says they repented. And God, at the end of chapter 3, we see relented from the disaster. That brings us to chapter 4, verse 1. And I remind you that this is God's word. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord, and he said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, For it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah in this message is finding it hard hard to be compassionate. And Jonah lacks compassion, I think, for two reasons. And we're going to look at both of those in this passage. First, Jonah lacks compassion because Jonah does not believe the people deserve it. Now, if you had been a Jew living in the 9th century B.C., you wouldn't have wanted to live in or visit the city of Nineveh. All right, Nineveh's not like some just decent place. You wouldn't have wanted to live there. In the city of Nineveh, the people, it says, were godless, were wicked, were violent people. They didn't even have a good moral code to follow. They were violent, wicked people. They were actually the Assyrians who later end up coming and and conquering um, part of of Israel. And archaeological inscriptions have found that that, um, Assyrian kings would boast about their own cruelty, about flaying their enemies and hanging their skin on the city walls. That is gross. That's what Nineveh was like. In chapter 3, verse 8, when the king actually calls his people to repentance, he's specific about their violence. In the second half of verse 8, it says, he says, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. He knew what was wrong. And when he calls to repentance, he says, turn from it. Now, much of that violence was aimed at surrounding nations like Israel. Um, and and as, as Jonah looked at this place, he said, no way. If we put it into perspective, it would be like a Jew during World War II being told to go and share the good news of God with Nazi Germany. Does that kind of put it a little more in perspective? Now do you understand why Jonah boarded a ship and went the other direction? It's not that far-fetched. Jonah didn't think these people deserve God's compassion, and so he didn't want to show them compassion. 
In fact, in verse 2, it tells us this. Um, We'll come back to verse 1 in a minute, but look at verse 2 again with me. He says, and he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Jonah saying, God, I knew your character. God, I knew who you are. God, I knew you were going to do this. And what's interesting is Jonah is quoting um, a passage that is used over and over and over again in the people of Israel. But we first see it in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, where God says it of himself. God says to Moses at Mount Sinai when he's giving him the Ten Commandments, this is what he starts with. That he is merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And then we see it, the people of Israel, over and over and over again. We just saw it in Psalm 86 earlier that we, we, we quoted together, or read together. Um, over and over and over again, this, is, this um, phrase is used to remind the people of Israel of who God is. They are so thankful that God is like this to them. In the, in the history of Israel, as they continue to find themselves turning from him and turning to false idols, to false gods. And Jonah's saying, God, I knew it. And that's why I didn't want to share with Nineveh. I didn't want to warn them because they don't deserve your compassion. Now, pause on that for just a minute because often, as good Christians, we think if we just get the teaching right in our heads, if we just get our theology right, it's important to get our theology right, but if, that, if we just do that, get all the things we need to know about God right, then we'll be good. But notice, don't, don't miss it. Jonah ran because of his theology. Jonah knew who God was, and so he ran the other way because of what he knew to be true about God. Are there people in your life that you feel don't deserve God's compassion? Maybe it's a people group. Maybe it's an individual. People where God has put them before you and has said, share with them the good news of Jesus. And you would say, if if God did that to you, you would say, no, God, I won't do it. I will not have compassion on them. Or maybe you would say, God, if if you must, if they need that message, will you just send somebody else? That one's not for me, God. Let's be honest, um, just like Jonah, living on this side of eternity, we all have people, we'll say that irritate us, just to soften it for you a little bit, or maybe say people we don't like as much. We have all these cliches we use, right? Maybe it's rude neighbors, maybe it's irresponsible people who blame others for their problems, Sadly, on this earth, there is a lot of racial prejudice among Christians. You know, in my life, I've heard Christians make derogatory comments about the Indian community that's around us here, or about Asians, or about African Americans, or about Jews, or about Hispanics, and about white people. It's kind of all across the board. Or maybe it's a political party. 
or a leader of an aggressive country like Putin is right now. But we might also say, I refuse to have compassion on a family member who has hurt me or on a business partner who has betrayed me. Maybe it's somebody from the outside that's hurt your family. And and I want you to hear me because I'm not saying that you just forget things have happened or that you don't need to have boundaries. There are places for that, and that's a a different sermon. Those things can be good and right. But but please do hear this because what I am saying What I believe God's word is saying is that we need to pray for God's compassion for everyone that God puts in our lives. That we would have compassion for everyone God puts in our lives. And so I'm I'm saying that we pray specifically asking God to give us his compassion. There are places where having compassion is outside of us. We're asking God to give us his compassion for those that are hardest for us to have compassion on. That's because at the root of our inability to have compassion for others, at at the root of this sin, let's let's not call it anything less than that, at the root of this sin is often the idea that we think we are somehow better than others. And that's the second part of what we see going on with Jonah. Jonah lacks compassion because Jonah believes he's better than the people of Nineveh. Another way to say this is that Jonah has a self-righteous heart. It's kind of what we say around the church. And that leads him not not to compassion like God has. It actually leads the other way. It leads him to a deep Anger. Look at verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. Using English, the English language, it's really hard um, to depict what the Hebrew depicts here when he says he was angry. The literal translation means that it was, th- this was an evil to Jonah. It was a great evil, and it burned in him. It burned in him. Jonah is calling God's compassion an exceedingly evil thing. That's how he felt at the moment. He's not simply displeased. He is enraged. And then in verse 3, we get the exclamation point when Jonah says, he is so angry, he is so enraged that he would rather die than be around a God like this. Why is he so angry? Well, he's angry because he forgets how desperately he needed God to save him from his running. How desperately he needed God to save him from his disobedience and his sin. I remind you, I don't think, to my knowledge, that there is any other person, I know no other person I know or have heard of, who has ever been swallowed by a great fish and in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Right? In the most unique way ever, Jonah has received compassion and mercy from God. You would think he would have recognized it. Yet even after having received such a clear picture of God's compassion and mercy, here he is finding fault with God for displaying that very same mercy he had received simply because God shared it with people that he didn't think deserved it. 
Jonah thinks he and the Israelites are more deserving than the people of Nineveh. Why is that? Because he didn't believe that the compassion of God extends outside the people of Israel. But remember, Israel was God's covenant people. And as God's covenant people, they were always intended to be the people through whom God was going to bring salvation to all people. That's what he told Abraham in Genesis 12. That you were going to be a blessing to the nations. But they had decided somewhere along the way that this blessing was for them and them alone. They were trying to contain the glory and the compassion of God for themselves. And I, I don't think... It was actually a conscious decision. But they got so caught up in their own lives, in their own comfort, their own sin of following their own way, their own ideas of who deserved God's compassion, their own self-righteous hearts. They got caught up in all of that so much that they had forgotten their own deep need for God's compassion. And so they had lost the compassion for the nations, for all those who do not know him. You know what's coming. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar to you? As the church, we are to be the people through whom God brings his message of salvation to the excuse me, to the world. See, if it was really an evil thing for God to forgive the Ninevites, if it was really evil, then it was just as evil for God to forgive Jonah. And it was just as evil for God to forgive me and you. But because he thinks he's deserving and he can't get past that, he's angry with God for acting in a way that he didn't understand or approve of. Are you there this morning? Only those who have been grasped by grace will be able to rejoice in God's grace being lavished on those who are so undeserving. Because when we're grasped by grace, we understand how undeserving we are. Have you been grasped by God's grace this morning? I was working on this message yesterday. I've changed this about 20 times this week, really trying to settle in where God wanted it to be. And I was focusing on that question yesterday morning. Um, so my day yesterday, and I, I actually, believe it or not, I'd rather never tell a story about myself, but I think at least you see, hey, we deal with it too. So the first, first three hours of the day yesterday, um, I'm, I'm trying to get this sermon completely done because then we have about five hours worth of baseball practice, and then we, and then we have the evening, right? First three hours of the day, my wife's gone. Within three hours, three boys interrupted me at least seven times. I, 
I didn't think they deserved my time at that moment because I was doing God's work, right? I hope y'all understand the sin in that. And it built and it built and it built. Then after baseball practice, I was like, okay, I'm still not done. Y'all kept interrupting me. I got to do this. I got to do this. So I'm in there and I'm working on it again. And they came in again. And finally, I was like, would y'all just please quit it? I was like, hmm, have I really grasped God's grace? Do I really get it? In this case, applied to my children right now. But as if that wasn't enough, God got me again. This is the positive side. <laughs> because we're at baseball practice. Baseball practice is coming to an end. I have one kid. This is on a 14U team who's struggling to throw a baseball. The dad asked me, hey, after practice, this is now after about four and a half hours worth. After practice, could you, would you be willing to, to work with him a little bit? And, and I'm thinking... Oh, I've got to go work on my sermon. I've got to finish this. My kids were interrupting me this morning. I didn't say any of this out loud. I'm thinking, I've got to do all this. Hey, you're not deserving of my time right now. So I said, of course, I'd be glad to. <laughs> we work for about 20 minutes. Ball's going everywhere to where he really, he really got it, right? He was able to throw it and throw it well. I really didn't think that was going to happen. I just thought I was going to work with him a little bit and take baby steps. And all of a sudden, it clicked. I was like, whoa. And I just saw this joy on his face. And I'm still kind of, okay, good. Got that done. Let's go home. As I'm walking out, his dad comes over to me. And his dad says, thank you for showing care and compassion to my son. Every other coach has just gotten annoyed with him. And he said, I know what you do, and I want to hear more about that. Y'all, I want you to understand that I do not tell you that story because of anything in me. It is because of the grace and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes it can be something as silly or stupid as teaching a kid how to throw a baseball. That God can use that and use our brokenness for his glory. But the question we come back to is, have we grasped God's grace? And are we willing to acknowledge that we need to grasp it again and again? He doesn't change. But he is slowly growing us. Jonah, I believe, because Jonah wrote this book, by the way, right? I believe Jonah was a follower of God. I believe what we see here is a lot of the up and down of what it looks like. But Jonah shared the message and he didn't hold back of where his heart was, of where his struggle was, because that was the message God wanted for his people to hear. Sometimes the work of God in our hearts feels really slow. But he has promised that he will complete the work that he began in us. And so for you this morning, for me this morning, I want to ask you two things. Will you, see, I'm just going to tell you this one. I'm not even going to ask. If you feel like there is a group of people or an individual who does not deserve your time, 
who is not worthy of you sharing with them about the compassion and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I need to repent. And I want to challenge you to do that this morning. And then I want you to follow that up with this. If you're willing to do this, Lord, teach me to be compassionate where you are compassionate. So as we close right now, I want to give you a couple minutes to do that in preparation for the Lord's table. Repent of where you need to repent. And and keep in mind, that doesn't mean you walk out of here with condemnation and guilt heaped upon you. If God is showing you that sin right now, repent. And you know what he does? You repent. He says there's now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That means we repent of that. And then we turn and walk into the arms of Christ our Lord like we were singing earlier. Because he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Take a few moments. Prepare your heart for the Lord's table. And then I'll bring us back together. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.